Well, fancy that. We're back for another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name is Alon. And my name is Aro. And I'm Tim. Tim? Tim, you're back. Oh, oh yeah, that's true. How did I get here? You must be done doing other things that you'd done be doing. It's true. I got my game released after only one rejection from Apple. Only one rejection. Now, you were also having some sort of technical trouble with it, right? Uh, more than one, yes. I mean, releasing your first game in a third-party tool like Unity on a, a very limited platform like mobile devices, you're going to hit ample technical issues. So I was waiting to hear from you that Unity had helped you solve this problem, and I never heard that, so I thought you were just in this permanent limbo, and then I suddenly saw your game on the store. Yeah, so uh, Unity <clears throat> kept giving me kind of red herring advice that wasn't helping at all, and I just kept stabbing at the dark at it. Finally found a workaround. Uh, I guess the reason I'm kind of <clears throat> uh, peeved about it is that, like, present me could give some advice to past me, but Unity couldn't give any advice to past me. That's interesting. I, I would like to dig deeper into this. Do you, do you care to explain some more? Um, you want me to talk about technical limitations of unity <laughs> i mean no, no 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 but just like so what was happening so first of all there was a some sort of weird well i haven't even happening with your game. my game yet well we'll we'll talk about that in a second all right so there was some sort of bug where you would turn on the game and it would be weird but you never saw it because it only happened the very first time you would turn on the oh game. yeah so it was some kind of weird um i don't know again i'm still kind of guessing because i don't know that the reasons were i just found a workaround for it uh, yeah, so the first time you would run the game, it would hitch really badly, and it would uh, it would basically stutter. And each time it stuttered, it would do it for a full second, and it would do it about uh, like 13 times the first time you played the game. So it just gave the game a really bad first impression where you're playing the game, then it stops, then it starts playing a little bit more, then it stops. But then it uh, every consecutive time that you played the game, like if you closed the app and then opened it again... It wouldn't be as bad, and then eventually it just wouldn't do it at all. And, you know, you profile it using these cool tools they give you, and it just tells you, oh, yeah, it's this function that's, like, low-level that you don't have any control over. Nice. Okay. So you try to get help from them. Yeah, and they told me uh, to use a different rendering mode in OpenGL, which fixed that problem, but then the game overall ran, like, 15 frames per second slower. Nice. Okay. So what was your workaround in the end? Uh, in the end, um, I in, in the very first scene, actually at the beginning of every scene where it does it, I <clears throat> technically draw everything and do a bunch of different effects. One of the things I did learn by working through them is how inefficient in 3D it is to scale things non-uniformly. So like if you scale things differently between their X, Y, and Z coordinates. Okay. Um, and I was doing that type of animation on a lot of the objects and that's where some of the hitching was coming from. Some of the other hitching was like the first time that, uh, it had to render uh, a combination of objects at the same time. So what I did is I just put, uh, started the scene where the camera was very far away and I just ran all of these animation effects on everything and put like a black, uh, a black object in front of the camera so that you couldn't actually see anything, but it was rendering everything and it was rendering all these effects and it would take it like 10 to 15 seconds to render all of those effects the first time. 
So it ended up giving it like a 10 second longer loading time, but then it would never hitch. Wait, so during a load time it was? Yeah, yeah. So so I like mocked it up in the game as a load time. Okay. Gotcha. That's interesting. So it's basically a loading screen just for it to get through some sort of animation where it's caching something? Yeah. And what is it caching? Who knows? Unity won't tell me. But it's doing something and this works. And that made me happy. Okay. And that's game development. For anyone who like um could follow this and also by consequence of following this has their eyes like bugging out of their head, like I can say with certainty, not knowing a lot of details, much worse things have been done in games. And no one has ever been the wiser. It's just interesting that it's a loading screen, but it's not actually loading. It's like you had to create that that pretend load screen just to do something else to get around some other issue. I guess it is loading the cache, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just not the way you usually think of it. It's not like actually loading. Well, I mean, I guess it is loading something into memory. It's just doing it at some level in Unity that I'm not aware of. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times, nor, this nor is, are they apparently. This is a good yeah. time for me to mention that. Um, yeah, you know, like all those progress meters when like shit's loading. Yeah, a lot of the times that meter is not metering anything. Oh yeah, no, it's just fake. I mean, there's a reason. Like, it needs to do something in that amount of time. When, I was, Usually, a, when I was a kid, I thought it would be hilarious to make a game with these long loading times, and then you go into the options, and like buried under these other options is like loading on-off, and you can set it <laughs> off. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. It's actually funny because it reminds me on the Red Star, we, there was the loading, we have this loading bar, right? And it goes from like 1 to like 49, and then it jumps to 100%. It's not as bad as Microsoft's loading and bars. No, I don't don't even get me started with that. But it was funny because I was talking to the guy who was like implementing that, right? And there was like some kind of like really big huge like the reason why we never fixed it was because there's some kind of big huge technical reason why it would be like inordinately difficult to make it smoothly represent how much was left. And so we just, it was just left there and once again, just like every other game no one was the wiser. Probably in this case because nobody played it, but okay. Yeah, it happens so, a lot. so now let's cut through the suspense for those who did not listen to the show last week and hear me go on about how you should go buy the game in the app store. Uh, what is the game, Tim? Oh, well, it's a game called Indiana Stone: The Brave and the Bolder. No relation at all to any other game. Oh no, no, no! I've I've never or played probably. any other games or watched any movies. Yeah. But it is it is a parody of something. Yeah, so, <clears throat> I mean, obviously, it's a parody of Indiana Jones. Uh, I made it to be a, a role reversal where you're playing as a boulder chasing this unnamed treasure hunter guy. Okay. And the, I, the idol is the boulder's girlfriend. Isn't that right? Uh, that's true. Okay, because I said that last week. I wanted to make sure. Yeah, that's right. not you. You don't actually find that out until the the regular ending. But that's, really, did I just give away no, the entire game? No, that's plot? that's okay because the regular ending isn't actually the climax of the game. The okay. super secret ending is okay. Okay. So I just gave away half of the game, but not the whole game. Uh, uh yeah, week. yeah, that's terrible. Okay, terrible spoiler. You can so, count on me. <laughs> All right then. And uh, before the show, we were talking about how like sales might 
peak or spike or plateau or whatever. Like I had just noticed today that it's not in the new and noteworthy section anymore, but I didn't know when that changed. And you said you didn't even know that that changed. So it must've been very recent. Like yeah, earlier I, get, today. I get my sales the day after and yesterday sales went up, which is cool. Um, it's interesting when I got this release, I'm happy that Apple's promoting it so much. I was afraid that they weren't going to, since it has this weird, uh, art blocky art style, which is really just like, um, an ex- it's just really my experiment of how good can I get programmer art to look? Yeah. <laughs> Did you have anybody doing, doing art for you? Well, my friend Nick, who I met in line once at a Toys R Us, uh, just like came by and was visiting once. Uh, and I sat him down to have him draw a totem pole because I couldn't get a totem pole to look right. And his looked way better than mine. So just, you know, once, once a week for like a year straight, he would just come by and draw me a couple of things. Okay. In like pixel block art? Yep. Yeah, we use a program called Paint 3D, which is like the I I uh, sent a line to the guy who made Paint 3D. This is the first game made with Paint 3D, and I, I love the program though because it's literally designed just like MS Paint but with a Z axis. That's cool. Okay, so he helped you with some of the art, and you had somebody help you with the audio as well. Uh, yeah, I did all the sound effects. And a buddy of mine who I worked with years ago in really old games, like in Super Smash Brothers and in Mega Goat, the same guy did the music for this game. He did a really great job. We've talked about Super Smash Brothers on this show before. Uh, cool. I mean, I was in your house talking about Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, that sounds vaguely familiar. You must have been Super Smashed <laughs> to not remember. Um, all right. Well, I encourage, as I did last week, our our listeners to to check out the game indiana stone the is it the bold the brave, brave and the boulder and the boulder yeah it'll be the best game you play in your entire lifetime i was commenting to michaela that looking at the release notes you can see that you work really really hard to be uh funny in your description of the game uh it's funny because my old games before i like knew how to give games polish uh putting them public on my website was always my favorite thing because i just i don't know just sitting down and coming up with really bad jokes related to the game to me for some reason is actually even more fun than making the game itself yeah no i you could tell (laughs) i could tell because it looks like you come up with a lot of jokes and you're too proud to let any of them get cut that's not true perhaps for the betterment no you you should see my uh you should see my list i have many that i could not fit in okay i will take your word for it (laughs) It did look like perhaps the cutting room floor was a bit bare. Um, the worst did, one that I didn't use is archaeology. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right. Well. Yeah, there's a reason why you don't want to ask about the... It's uh, doing the well. I'm going to... You know, here's one measure of the quality of a game, and that is the number of reviews coupled with the level of review. And, I mean, have you have you checked? Do you actually read through those, by the way? Yeah, I do. Uh, and it's really exciting. It's so encouraging because when you're making a game, I don't know, you, you never really know if the polish that you're putting into a game and, you know, just the amount of time I spent balancing a system that was kind of unique, that was as fun as possible, which I can talk about more later. Um, I just, I was okay and just not notice it and only notice the uh, top level things and say like, oh, this game's not like Temple Run. I can't just keep upgrading my guy. My guy, I don't want to, I don't want to play this. But people seem to really get what it's about. Yeah. I'm going to talk more about reviews. 
but we gotta we gotta wait. We'll be right back. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back. You're still listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. That's so amazing. And, uh, you know, this, this show remains sponsored by the University of Advancing Technology. Their website is uat.edu. And uh, I, was just, I was just talking to Tim. Tim Winsky, creator of Twin Sky Games. That's right. That's, uh, I still love that. Um, okay, so I said reviews are a good measure, right? Because very quickly your game, people review something, by the way, and it doesn't, it's like if you go into the app store and you review, it's not like the review gets... The review uh, gets uh, like uploaded to the system or is visible in the system right away. I don't know if they do any sort of quality check on reviews or not. I would think not, judging by the ones that I've read. But um, but you've already got seventy five approved visible reviews. You've got four and a half stars on here. Yeah, and most of the negative reviews are actually uh, something I didn't realize is that uh, the game runs much worse on fourth generation devices than third generation devices because yeah i was testing this game on an iphone 3gs as oh my because baseline test. retina screen with not enough power that's right yeah so it's starting with the iphone 4 they doubled the resolution and it's only a little bit stronger uh but thankfully i, I do have a friend who's been uh helping me work out the kinks on my train back to phoenix this weekend and uh he's he's pretty confident that we can actually get it running well on those devices Okay, so that's funny. So it works better on a 3GS than it does on the 4 because the 4 actually has four times as many pixels. Yeah, I wish Apple actually gave us uh, more granularity on which devices are able to run it. I All I can basically say is, oh, hey, if your device isn't is on something older than iOS 4.3, then it won't show up in the store. And that means it's supporting the iPad Gen 1, which won't run it and you have to put that in the description and then people will download it anyway and then give it a negative review well yeah i saw someone like you said it, it works on the ipad 2 and and newer but someone was like oh it doesn't run well it crashes all the time on my ipad yeah like first generation yeah and i mean like that's understandable not everybody's going to read the giant block of text when they see a cool game like indiana stone that they want to play well i don't know what's wrong with that guy but if i had an old device i would read the compatibility section that's true because something yeah somebody like that's probably running into that all the time yeah it runs well on the ipad mini though which is an ipad 2 yeah for, for those who don't know an ipad mini is an ipad 2 um okay well you're doing well. 
And if you can just make enough money to support making another game, how long does it take you to make a game? Uh, it depends. So I'm actually halfway done uh, development of my next game already. Halfway? Yeah, I was work. Uh, I started out as a game jam game, and now uh, I was working on it a bit during the times that I was super frustrated with Indiana Stone. Is this the frying pan thing? What? <laughs> no. You can't talk about it. <laughs> no, that's yeah, that's fine. I it thought in, that was in- innocuous <laughs> enough. <laughs> yes, it involves a flying a, a, a frying pan. Okay. Okay, halfway done, got it. Maybe best to stop now. Yeah, no, I was going to leave it at that. <laughs> All right, um, great. Well, let's let's shift gears completely then and go somewhere else. Uh, I don't know where to start on this, though. I need okay. to let you lead the way here. So, just last week, there was the Game Developers Conference. Yeah, I was not there for the umpteenth time in a row. No, none of us are there. Well, Tim was there. I was there. But I was totally there. But, and, and he'll have some, a lot of interesting stuff to say, but I have something hopefully even more interesting to talk about with regards to GDC. So there was, as, as people may or may not know, at these conferences, there's lots of parties. These are after-hours parties that are held by the companies who want to spend lots of money for no reason other than to throw a party. They tend to be the best part of the show. So for some people, the best. For others, perhaps the worst. Um, One thing that happens a lot that has been very, very regular that as of late, a lot of people um, don't like as much is what we call those booth babes, right? Not at the conference, but I'm using the term booth babes very, very broadly here. Right, basically just hired guns that come in that really have no job but to look pretty. Okay. I mean, that's really what it is. And a lot of times they don't have a lot of clothes. And this upsets a lot of people and this pleases another group of people. But uh, I'm not here to say who it's upsetting or why and all that other stuff or who it pleases and why or any of that stuff. This is just – this is very interesting way things have gone down here because the – Issues of gender equality and those kinds of things have become very, very prominent in the game development community as of late. And a lot of companies and a lot of basically people involved with conferences are deliberately trying to not hire you know, these pretty hired guns because we don't want – I mean, ostensibly, the reason is that we don't want to alienate, you know, young girls who find aspirations in the game industry, and we want to show them that the game industry is an accommodating place for them. And I don't know, I don't like that word accommodating, but it's not um, an intimidating place for them, right? You remember a few years ago when they actually prohibited Booth Babes from E3? Yeah, and this this was part of this whole um, gradual change in attitude that is... Well, I don't know if it's a gradual change, but it's part of that same thing, yeah. Okay, which is funny because a few years later, in order for E3 to thrive again, they, they had to relinquish that rule. It was, yeah, it was kind of funny how that happened. Um, and what's happening now is that there are some parties that – there was a specific one that was thrown by uh, Yedizen, and it was also affiliated with IGDA. And this is why – this is, I think, why it's, it's so controversial because IGDA is this um, – professional organization that's really supposed to be welcoming to all professionals. And a lot of people are seeing, are perceiving 
the idea that if you know hired guns babes are present at a party, then um, this is really this is really it's it's basically counter to the goals and the ideals of IGDA and perhaps to the the industry at large, right? So what's happened was there's this party and it's yet is in party and IGDA is affiliated with it somehow, right? And they had some manner of hired guns present at that party. Um, it's funny because just as a point of reference, um, somebody that I read who commented on this, this situation um, was there and he was like, yeah, you know, there was like some girls who are actually showing more skin than the hired guns. So it wasn't like they were like bikini babes, but they were maybe dressed a little provocatively in, so, uh- in Yeti costume. You know, many of which did not show bare midriffs, but I think maybe one did show a bare midriff. And then there were women on stilts, which a lot of people are very upset by. And Stilts. Yeah. So, so I want to be clear. Basically, this sounds like just one of the – a normal party. By, by like what you and I have come to know, yeah. uh, yes. And not, not like e- normal not for even, our listeners' house parties. Yeah. Not even, not even normal, but even like slightly lower key because there was, for example, uh, like Igda – to some extent approved the hired guns and there's there's one of the pieces of information that's circulating around is that like um you know the the executive director of IGDA Kate Edwards she was like there's an email that circulated that she was quoted in where she said oh if the final outfit is like this I think it's fine it's modest enough without the midriff showing etc so to some extent like they knew but then now there's this big hullabaloo and, and I'll get in a minute to to what's changed um, something that was funny that I have to mention also as a preface is that another company did another party at that same venue and it was on the subsequent night and that one had like total like fetished out hired guns like nipples barely covered and it was way more extreme. And so part of the – that Was that White Wolf? No, I for, I forget the name of the. They throw company. the crazy parties. Yeah, but it was it was crazy, and it was it was just like crazy hypersexualized hired guns and all this other stuff. But no IGDA affiliation. No IGDA affiliation, right? But it seems as if a lot of what's happened here is the result of the IGDA Yedison party being conflated with this other party that was far more um, raunchy. This one that happened the next day. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's part of the reason why there's so much attention about all this. Another part of the reason, right, besides – so so the people in IGDA, some of them are so upset at this that two have resigned. Uh, Brenda uh, – now Romero. Previously Brenda Brathwaite? Yeah. Is that who we're talking about? Yeah. Uh, she resigned like right away. This other individual, um, Darius Kazemi, resigned right away. And so now here comes the CEO of Yedizen, Sana Choudhury. And she makes an official statement about what happened because so many people are upset. Okay. I feel like if Brenda talks and makes us think about something, it will just happen. You mean like what? Like like if she wants to make us think of it, then she just will and yeah. some people will follow along. Yeah. Well, there's – it's funny because we, we actually – okay, this is the second time we're actually recording this and part of the reason was because um, – it was so hard for me to communicate what was controversial about this to Alan, and he wasn't prepared to answer the question. Because some of you may be thinking right now even, what has happened that is so controversial? And we still don't know. And 
it's it's there's there's that's all that's happened. It's just there was a party and some hired guns, and there's this this just. I, I suppose it's the best thing to say about it is that it's it's indicative of the kind of reaction that we're getting, that um, like some people this is how strongly some people feel about this issue, right? That there's there should be um, no hired guns that look attractive. Let me tell you, everybody likes attractive people. Igda. I have a friend who uh, used to be what was called, a, her job was party instigator, right? Okay. So she's by no means like your, your tall, leggy, blonde, amazing looking girl. She's also not an ugly girl at all. She's just an attractive girl, like a friend of mine married her. Yeah. But she would, her job was to go to parties and just be the person who danced because they're there's oftentimes at parties uptight people who don't dance. You can get money for this? Yeah. So only, just go to probably only girls and though, dance huh? and, you know, try to encourage people to dance. But Do, she wasn't rubbing all over him or taking clothes off. Can guys get this job? Yes. Yeah, because I, I think she would go with a guy. I want to sign up for this job. All right. Let's, let's talk more about this movie. Okay. Okay, we're back. And uh, I was just telling my story about having a friend who was a party instigator and, like, trying to say that people get hired at parties because there's a lot of boring people out there and you don't want a party full of just boring people. You need other people sort of pushing the fun, either walking around in stilts or furry Yeti costumes. And I don't actually know if that's the costume these people were in. Um, Yeah, they were furry Yeti costumes. Obviously, if you're going to hire someone to be at your party, they're probably going to be attractive because guess what? The smart people probably have better jobs. Right, probably real jobs that pay them real money, not the uh, part-time gigs where you go to a party and just look pretty. Yeah. So, so it's funny because part of me, here's the thing. Part of me like understands where some of this is coming from, and another part of me is like really just incredulous about it. Um, maybe, maybe it would be best for me to uh, go through uh, a lot of the other entertaining things that have happened as as a result of the fallout from this. So. The CEO of Yedizen basically like posted this po- this public response on Gamma Sutra about it. Um, Igda says um, we weren't expecting like we only approved like part of the costumes, and we weren't expecting, for example, the dancers to be on stilts or dancing to be happening like on stage and so on, as if some kind of apology, right? A lot of people are really upset that Igda, Igda associated themselves with this at all. So this is where the crux of the problem is as framed by the people who see it as a problem, right? My perspective is kind of like, well, no, no, I don't want to get into that yet. So here's the funny thing, right? There's this huge missive by the CEO of Yedison on, on like Gamma Sutra. And she's like, look, um, yeah, she's like, we didn't hire dancers. This is like really weird. She's like, we didn't hire dancers. We hired avid gamers who happened to be models to discuss gaming with the invited guests. 
I don't actually believe that for a second. I don't believe that, but I'm sounding. I'm wondering, like, maybe that's like what you said. Like, maybe they were kind of like party starters, but they just had like sexy uniforms on, right? But I think that the problem, the crux of this, is that people are people are upset that a company would hire like Igda would associate uh, like a party, even though it's after hours, even though it's actually not in the conference. That they would like go and hire people in like sexy uniform to to do for any purpose whatsoever, you know. Like that's I think that is being perceived as um, non accommodating and non diverse and all those other non things. So I guess it comes down to: Do you see the depiction? Do you see basically like hired guns doing these jobs as actually? Um, being this negative force that we must stop and is worth, um, be, you know, for several people apparently quitting their uh, positions at IGDA over. Well, first of all, I don't think it would have been several people if it weren't one person, right? Like, it, I think independently, those three people didn't think to themselves, oh, I need to quit. I think it was one person, probably Brenda, and the rest of them being like, Yes, I agree. We need to take a stand, right? Right. Um, I don't understand why quit, like how quitting. First of all, here's the funny thing: is that, like, it seems like Igda really didn't do much wrong, other than, I mean, even if you assume that, assuming that you decide that all this is wrong, that, uh, like, they're not really as much responsible for it. They were just affiliated with it, and like, yet is an organized the party. The funny thing too is that, like, you know, um. Like, the people on stilts and the going up on stage was framed as, like, you know, one of the, quote, like, bad, unprofessional things. But then, like, the CEO of Yetizen, like, she basically said, like, oh, yeah, at one point, like, they just, like, they invited us up on stage to, like, just to, like, I don't know, do something and have fun. Right? And it just sounded like it was just an impromptu thing that a bunch of people decided to do because it's a party and, like, extemporaneous things happen at a party. If there's a stage, people will be dancing on it. I don't know what's so weird about that. But, uh, but yeah, I think one person just decided, well, you know what? We're supposed to stand for something better than this or whatever, and I'm just going to – it's like self-immolation, man. Like people just – she wants to be a martyr, so fine. It's let, Yeah, let it's kind martyr. of like that. I don't see the benefit in but, that. Like I really feel like the reactions – like if you think there's a big problem with that, then I feel like the way to go is uh, you stay in this uh, highly coveted position – and a highly visible position that you have, and you try to affect the change from there instead of like stammering your feet and playing the martyr, because I don't think that that accomplishes anything other than fireworks. Well, yeah, but fireworks can be really PR heavy. I mean, that's she she probably wanted out anyway. That's, <laughs> that's another thing. That that's the short out. answer of like what I'm getting at. Like, I kind of feel like those people maybe didn't want to be there and are using this as a great reason to go out with a bang. Yeah, it's. And I don't like that either because it actually seems like exploitative of the situation, frankly. It is. This whole thing seems silly to me because lots of people will have parties and they're part of the GDC. They're they're at E3 and they're not putting up a fuss about it. So this Brendan... uh, Brenda. Brenda. What what did she actually do? She looks like a Brendan. Like what what was her actual position? Like what is she known for? No, she's, oh, she's she's super known for like feminism or women's or whatever in games. I mean, she's a marquee oh, okay. name in the industry. Oh, okay, I might um, have seen her at some IGS talk. Yeah, yeah, like she was here once with with John Romero, here Phoenix, like giving a talk or something. Um, I just think she's super full of herself, and every time I hear her, 
hear about her talking about something, it's always uh, related to women and girls, and, which is weird because the very first time I saw her speak was at GDC probably 10 years ago. And I loved her because she was talking very frankly and openly and and entertainingly about like sex and games or something. Oh, yeah? Yeah, which is totally contrary to the position she's been taking for the last couple of years where she's basically being a total stick in the mud. And I, I think it got to the point that maybe she feels guilty about the way she used to be or she thinks it went too far and now, you know, women aren't being treated fairly or something. And and to some extent, I can accept that point of view because women, I think, are misrepresented in games um, with the whole big boob thing and whatever in every game and and that's fine, right? You can put up a fight and you can teach people about how there are better ways to do things or more realistic ways or whatever. Um, but it seems like anytime she does every anything she ever does, she's just trying to get on like the PR bandwagon. Or it might also be that she does all sorts of things, and the only things I ever see are the times that she's pulled out major, you know, like PR attachments or something. Yeah, I actually don't know all that much about her. You're yeah, telling me a lot I don't. of new stuff. I just can tell you that every time I hear about her. It's her being sensationalistic. Or well, this, sensationalistic. This, this whole incident, like sensational, it is, it is. Yeah, that's all she is. She tries to be sensational. I'm willing to bet she married Romero <laughs> because well, it was sensational. I mean, without it's, – it's funny that you say that, right? Because, you know, yet as in CEO, she is like Brenda. Brenda, like she's like Brenda called us and threatened to destroy yet as in – because of, like, what happened. Apparently, last year, they had... I don't know what happened. There's, like, another... Like, they hired girls yet again last year, and now it's happening again this year. Well, that makes sense why she would quit this time. It's like, and I told you not to do it again. You did, and now I'm out. Well, here's here's what makes this whole thing, like, uh, so, like, uh, calling for a bucket of popcorn, because Brenda... So, so Sana is, like, the CEO of, of Ray Yedis, and she's, like... Brent, after our party last year, Brenda Romero personally called us and threatened to per- – so she, initially the article said threatened to destroy Yedison, and then Brenda responded and she's like, I never threatened to destroy Yedison. Note that in the years since I've done nothing which would even suggest that that statement is true. Um, and then so apparently she had talked to uh, some outlets about that statement that Sana Choudhury said. And got it changed to take out the word destroy, right? So apparently, maybe, I mean, what it sounds like, right, is a bunch of kids fighting. But the way that they're fighting, it sounds like like Brenda got all hot and she's like, oh, I'm going to say something I shouldn't have said. And obviously, I'm not going to follow through with it because of whatever reason. And then Sano's like, you told us this. And then now she's now they're backpedaling. And now there's like... Okay, so damage control happening, which is kind of funny too, and and of course now she says she has no vendetta against Yedison, which I mean I believe, but also so basically she's she's just being a big baby, and she got two other, what one or two other people to quit along with her. Yeah, so you know what I'm just gonna so so we can um, I'm just gonna wrap this up with what Kate Edwards finally said. So she's the IGDA executive director, and she basically said we agree that some of the performers at the party engaged in activities that were not appropriate. Like I might add, okay, so here's the one thing that's not clear. Like that, that are we, probably happens at every party. Yeah, that one that <laughs> happens at every party, and that's extemporaneous behavior, and everybody's free to be an individual. I hope we don't want to quash that, right? Are we here's my question to everybody who is upset about this. 
Are, what are we upset at? Are we upset at how they look because they have a uniform? Are we upset at how much skin is showing because other girls were showing more skin there who weren't hired? Are we upset because they're hired? Are we upset because they had a uniform and they were wearing the same thing? Are we upset because of their behavior? Because that's what Kid Edward said, right? They're apologizing for inappropriate activities that objectify or demean women, right? So what I want to know, which one of these is the thing that's bad? Because it's not clear to me. It really isn't. Well, I think it's also bigger than that. I mean, it's... It is bigger than that. Actually, I wanted to lead in to something with that. It is bigger than that because there was, like, something else happened. Um, did you see Anna Anthropy's talk, micro talk at GDC, Tim? Oh, the one about words? I, I, I don't know what it was supposed to be about. But Anna Anthropy had this micro talk where she basically said, and this is, in the, this is um, I want to bring this up in the context of what we just talked about as a reference point. She said basically, uh, and I'm quoting from an article here, if you're a man and you're being asked to speak at a panel where no women have been asked to speak, refuse vocally. That's what she's exhorting us to do. Say, I'm not comfortable where no women are allowed to speak. Although notice how that's different than the previous statement, right? But she's basically, she's kind of like exhorting us as guys to like not play ball with anything unless there's women involved. And I kind of f- feel like that. How would I know if a woman has been asked? Well, besides the I'm fact... I'm not given the roster. Besides the clear impracticality of that, right? It's, it's, I feel like this is like, you know, it's like people feel really strongly about a lot of these things. And the way that they're reacting to it is of like a maybe proportionally or even disproportionately more extreme fashion. And I don't think this is the right way to go. Like you... Like, especially anaanthropy. Like, you are not going to win battles by going to the furthest possible extreme even more. That's just going to ruin your credibility. Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand her bit at all. Are we going for equality here, or is this a battle of the sex? What is happening? Are you going to find a Master of Science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. And we're back. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio once again. 
don't forget to check out uet.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. Now, I, I'd like to put this one to bed, but but I got to point out, I've spoken at a lot of events in my time. I've been asked to speak or just sent an invitation. I've been on panels. I've done presentations without panels. I've moderated all of that stuff. And at no point am I given like the uh, the roster because basically when you're asked to speak in an event or on a panel, it's like well in advance. And they don't even know who else is going to be on the panel. And when they do, even if you are like, oh, you're going to be on with this person and that person and that point person, at no point do you have reason to think, oh, there should totally be a woman or a man on stage. Like, except in the rare instance when you're talking about something that is specifically genderized, for instance, if you're talking about gender issues, then you would never think, and you, if you did, you would be dumb. Uh, to think, oh, well, there needs to be equal gender representation on this panel because otherwise that would just not be fair. So I don't know if you're leaving some information out about her comment saying that there needs to be women around, uh, but it seems totally silly to me that someone who's speaking on a panel would just automatically think, oh, yeah, I'm going to know exactly who's going to be on the panel with me and I'm going to care what gender they are. Well, why don't, why don't I read the rest of uh, her little blurb here? Yes. So after... Um so she said, GDC has a bit of, prob- of a problem with women. The game industry has a, as a whole has a problem with women. So she says, are you proud to tell people you work in the game industry? Maybe you'd like a games industry for grown-ups, not one for 10-year-old boys. I think that it's a non sequitur, by the way. What would happen if women were given more of a voice at conferences like GDC? The value a single outside perspective brings to any discussion is far greater than that of the most seasoned industry insiders. I mean, I think that's a non sequitur also. Um, So, I mean, a lot of people's heart is in the right place. But I feel like what's happening as a phenomenon is that people are getting so tuned to training themselves to recognize any hint of inequity that as soon as they can find one, they're like, that's it. That's it. That's what I'm looking for. Let's stamp that out. Yeah. And, and, and it's what it's doing is it's actually preventing us, not just us here, but us as a group, everybody, from rationally discussing these things. You know, this is like, what is sexism? Okay. Sexism is like racism. Okay. When I say that, hey, you black guy you are so much more protected from sunburns than I am. <laughs> that is racist. <laughs> it is. It may, it may be true. But it's not wrong. Just because something is racist doesn't give every racist thing an equivalency by any measure. And the same thing for something that is sexist or sexy. Let me tell you – okay, this is the last thing I'm going to say about this. Okay, then we'll wrap up with something interesting. Okay, but this is, this is really important. Okay. I was talking with a girl last night. All right. She told me about the kinds of things that were attractive to her. Right. Like what gets her horny. Okay. You know what gets this girl horny? Crickets. Just this is just one individual out of a million. And, and as, as just like everybody else, we're entitled to our attractions. Safety pins. No, 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 no. It's not that weird. Right. Okay. But like vaginas turn her on like mad. Just the sight of a disembodied vagina she gets excited about. Really? How many yes. times has she had the opportunity to see that? <laughs> uh, probably as many as she wants. 
boobs equally turned on. Okay. Okay. She loves boobs and she loves vaginas and nothing should be able to take that away from her. Tim, help me out here. Probably a lesbian. Uh, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, she's, <laughs> I mean, obviously she's bi, right? So that's cool, right? When she, if she was put in any of these positions that every single person who is um, making a huge stink over not being like, – like being too intimidating towards women and not being welcoming and all these negative aspects, this person would not sense any of that whatsoever because she'll see the hired gun and she'll be thinking, man, she's probably got a really sexy pussy. Okay. And she's not offended. And so the question comes down to what it really is, what it seems to be to me is what are you offended by and why are you offended by it? And yeah, does but that mean that the world should change because you find offense there? And what accommodations should be made to make you feel comfortable? And if we're talking about accommodations to make you feel comfortable, and if we're going through all the criteria and deciding that, yes, that is just and that's what we should do, then what about somebody else's accommodations? And why is that that other set of accommodations any different or worse or better than this one? I got to be honest. I could keep arguing this for a long time, but I'm at the point where I don't want it anymore. Okay. I would rather ask, let's move on. I would rather ask Tim about the rest of GDC. Okay, let's do that. Outside of this event, which, by the way, you clearly picked the wrong party to to skip because uh, it would have been better to have first hand no, knowledge I, of what I happened. I skipped here. that one because there were uh, too many scantily clad women on the corners in San Francisco passing out flyers. No, not really. The, but no, but you skipped there, it, right? There was the, no. The reason I skipped it was just because it was too much of a public party. You thought it was too big. You did not think it was too sexy, right? Even though they were ad- when they were advertising it on the street. Oh. They, Tell me the truth. You were boycotting this party because there was too much skin. No. And you wanted to support Brenda. No, because I wanted to actually like hang out with people who actually make games. Okay. Because to me, like game development is about, you know, making games and not about all of this stuff. Yeah. So this was how long has it been since you've been to GDC? Oh, I came back this weekend. It, well, what do you mean? No, 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 since, last time you went. Oh, you went. this is my first time going to GDC in 10 years. Okay, so it's like it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the biggest thing is that now, like, small developers actually have a name for themselves. Where back then was right when the IGF was starting, and like the games made through the IGF look worse than like modern day flash games. Yeah, it's, it's true, actually. So, but I imagine the the general structure and discussions and things were basically similar. So you must have gone to a lot of them. And is there any like? more conceptual or theoretical rather than technical that that you found especially interesting well yeah i mean i i had the igs pass for the indie game summit so um <clears throat> i saw some people who were arguing for like 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 one of the big arguments today is the whole like freemium indie development versus like the uh you know more traditional you charge something for your game and then you don't nickel and dime your player which is, of course, what I'm more attracted to. Um, <clears throat> so there were a lot of talks on, oh, how to work uh, in-app purchases into your games without losing your souls. And there were other people who were talking about, oh, there's no way to work in-app purchases into your game without losing your soul. It'll always lead to some kind of compromise, and it'll always imply that uh, you're assuming your players are morons. And 
I don't know. I I felt like those. I, I wish there was like a, a proper debate between these different people, these different thought thought processes. Uh, in the end, I felt like the people arguing against in-app purchases made stronger points, but that's partially just because I'm, uh, I but, happen to resonate more with that side. But when you say in-app, you're talking about a purchase that would affect the game that you already have. Or like, I guess what I'm trying to say is you could buy, I don't know, boots for your character right. to use during the level that you already have. But I bet you're not saying that DLC is bad in general. We're like, you're buying extra levels to a game. Well, there's there's a lot of... <clears throat> Uh, I mean, ways to work that into a game, and there's a lot of uh, different thought processes on it. Uh, most people agree that League of Legends is a pretty ethically designed uh, freemium model. Yeah, I have heard people say only good things about that game. Yeah, and I've played other games where, like personally, uh, some of the games by Adult Swim uh, on iOS um, <clears throat> are actually like really well-crafted and genuinely fun, and they don't nag you really to buy stuff. You just kind of see it as an option. Um, but like, e- even in a game like that, though, like one one game that I enjoy that's free to play is called Major Mayhem, which is like a mobile take on um, a light gun game, and it's it's really well designed. It just it's very slightly compromised that you notice after playing it. So the game's got like a hundred hour a uh, hundred levels or whatever, and you know you you just naturally play through those. It's it's fun to play. It's got a good uh, central mechanic. You build up this in-game currency. You can get these new guns or outfits or whatever. Um, but you'll notice later on that, like when you have slightly better weapons, you'll you'll get way better scores, and you'll get like three-star ratings in the levels. And you you do need the better weapons, so you either need to grind or you need to pay real money in order to get good ratings in the early levels right away. So I mean that that is a form of compromise, right? Like to me, it's a problem whenever a game makes a player decide oh do i do i want to have to play this game for five hours or can i just give it five dollars and whenever a player has to equate play with with work but what if what if they still have that first question but the play isn't equated with work um like i have to play this game for five hours but i don't have to grind it's not a grind or i can pay money and skip that right pay to win in other words where, yeah, it's where just, the activity... Because here's the funny thing, right? It's just strange because either way, I mean, you're paying money to not play the game, right? Yes, but here's the reason why I'm bringing it up. Is that like when... Like it's it's bad, but it seems bad only when the activity is menial. But now where some of these games, the activity that you can skip is actually not menial at all. It's actually a really interesting, motivating kind of activity. So for example, right? Like we started this freemium model... Under the context that all the games under the freemium were just menial activities, right? But now there's some games where the freemium model is still there, but they're actually like worthy interactive experiences. Sure. So what I kind of feel is happening is that I mean, it's kind of like that other topic we just talked about. With like people aren't thinking of like let me see this in the context that it actually exists. They're just like. They're just training themselves to recognize a freemium model and then to poo-poo anything that has a freemium model just wholesale without actually considering how right. the Right, and that leads changed. to backlash, extreme backlash on the opposite end where just by releasing a game that didn't have any in-app purchases or any microtransactions at all, 
uh, I'm getting tons of positive reviews just because of what the game doesn't yeah, that's have. That's cool. That's actually kind of cool, especially for you, right? But here's the funny thing. It's like um, I remember somebody wrote once, um, maybe it was one of the people you met at the con, that um, like one of the really bad things right, about freemium is that you're paying to skip the game. Right. Right? But here's what I would throw out there. If you're a gamer and you value the game itself and it costs money to skip the part that's most important to you, then you won't pay it. Right? Right. You'll play the game and not right. pay. Right. And that's and that's what some games have tried. I mean, yeah, and some and but the thing is, right? The people who um don't know any better, right? Will pay and let them pay because they're subsidizing yeah, the experience. Yeah, I, I feel aren't like the structure here is like really similar to that like structure between like the way that a game plays and its story though. Like you talk a lot about. It's like oh, yeah. yeah, it's just <clears throat> uh I mean just a quick little uh, um piece of proof I'm going to throw out there is so CSR Racing is a game that broke records on the App Store. Oh, yeah. That's the one that's, like, not really racing even. And it wasn't made by a game development studio. Right. It was made by some other software company who just kind of figured out the model, uh, threw this game together out, which is a shell of in-app purchases themed like a racing game. Right. And it makes... uh, I'm not sure how much it makes now, but it was making $12 million a month. Then you've... On the opposite end, you have passionate game developers trying to figure out a way to work a freemium model into their game. You've got the developers of Punch Quest, and the players who play it love the game, but then they end up seeing, like, it really resonates with people who love, like, slick, polished game mechanics, but then, like, those same players don't see any reason to actually, like, pay for any of the stuff in the game. Right. Because it's not But they're a minority around. anyway, and so majority of people paying for lame things, right? Well, that game was very unsuccessful. So, why do you think it was unsuccessful? Um, We're talking about Punch Quest, right? Yeah, that one's kind of a long story. Okay. Uh, but the, the gist sh- of it was that it was really good, but it was unsuccessful. Beca- and maybe yeah. because of the model? Well, yeah, because there wasn't enough, like, like all of the little uh, trickery that these companies put in the games that are like, oh, hey, um, you know, like the energy points. Right. And just prompting you to uh, upgrade every time you lose... And just like the way that they really feature the buy button and they make the don't buy button really small and gray, you know, it just like there, there's a stack of all of these weird little tricks they found to get people to pay money and all, all of them work. And when you make a game, that's just a fun game. That's just like, oh, hey, by the way, you can buy stuff to uh, get stuff faster. I mean, it just doesn't work because it doesn't have that stack of... I'll challenge that it doesn't work because it seems to be working with Real Racing 3. I mean, they haven't... I don't think they've revealed their uh, numbers or anything. Well, so here's an example. So Punch but, Quest started making a little bit of money after they doubled the cost of all of the power-ups in the game store. And they, like, halved the amount of money that you accrue. So then it's like they're they're intentionally breaking the balance of the game from what, like, a reasonable progression through a game would be in order to intentionally make it more frustrating to unlock things. Yeah. And that's the only way they could get people to actually pay real money for it. Well, that sounds insidious, but I, I'm not sure if I believe that that was the only thing they could have done. I mean, maybe it was the only thing or the best thing they felt they could have done, right? But, yeah, it just, it's just weird. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me because I think that, like, Real Racing 3 is, like, the best counterexample hmm. to it. And it's, like, 
it's a good game, and I haven't paid them a cent. And um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I've talked about it enough last few shows, but yeah, I haven't played that one myself. They seem to be making a ton of money, and they seem to be very happy with yeah, the amount of money they're making. I'm, I'm wrestling with this just because, like, it's it's possible I could still do something on the premium model, but I'm mostly against it, and like most friends that I know tell me to not do it. But I do see a couple of cases once in a while of a game that I don't totally hate, but I just I'm just trying to figure out if there's always a form of compromise or if there is actually a way to work it out. I, I have said, and you know, we're at the end of the show here, I, I've said that Letterpress, I believe, is the best example of a freemium game. Although to call it freemium, it's more like there's the free version and then you upgrade to the paid version and that's it. That's the extent of, of paying. Yeah. But I really, really like it because it gives you all the game, but it it simply incentivizes you to get it because it's like if you want to play more of the game, if you want to play more games simultaneously, yeah, yeah. no, that's a great rule of thumb. You, whenever you pay for something, you should be getting more of something, not less of something. Yeah, yeah. That's, anyway, listen. Like I said, we're at the end of the show. Thank you everyone for listening. But pay attention here. Tim made a game with no compromises in his heart, and that's why you should buy it. Indiana Stone: The Brave and the Boulder. It's available on iOS right now. End of the show. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.